0: Chapter three of Kit and Kitty by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter three. The Timber Bridge By this time it had become clear to me that whatever my thoughts were and my longings, such as those who are free from them call romantic, there was nothing proper for me to do except to turn in at our own little gate, and be satisfied with my own duty inside. And this I was truly at the point of doing although with very little satisfaction, when the glancing of the twilight down the road convinced me of a different duty. To the westward there happened just here to be a long stretch of lane without much turn in it, only guided and overhung partly with trees, and tufts of wild hops which were barren this year, and throughout this long course which was wavering with gloom a watery gleam from the west set in, partly perhaps from the flooded river and partly from the last glance of sunset." My hand was just laid upon our wicket-latch, and my mind made up for no thinking, when the figure of someone in the distance, like a call-back signal, stopped me. I had not returned, you must understand, by the shortest possible way from church, which would have taken me to Uncle Corney's door opposite the river, but being a little disturbed perhaps and desiring to walk it off quietly, had turned up to the right towards the Halliford Lane to escape any gossip and come back through our garden and where I stood now there was a view by daylight of nearly half a mile of lane and a timber bridge across the brook. The lane was not quite straight, but still it bent in such an obliging manner, first to the left, then back to the right, that anything happening upon its course would be likely to come into view from our gate, and I saw as plainly as could be, although beyond shouting distance, a man with his arms spread forth, as if to stop or catch anybody going further and nearer to me the forms of women desirous to go on, but frightened. It is not true that I stopped to think for one moment who these women were, but feeling that they must be in the right and the man in the wrong as usual. Without two endeavors I was running at full speed, and in those days that was something, merely to help the right and stop the wrong, and in less time than it takes to yell it, I was one of the party. Then I saw that the ladies were Mrs. Marker and the lovely young maiden, "'who had been with her in church. "'Oh, Master Orchardson, you will take our part,' "'Mrs. Marker cried as she ran up to me. "'You will take our part, as every good man must. "'That bad man says that we shall not cross the bridge "'without, uh, without, oh, it is too dreadful. "'Without paying toll to me. "'This is Kissing Bridge, and the wood is now kissing the water. Tis a dangerous job to take ladies across. "'Kit, you are come just in time to help.' Let us have toll at the outset and double toll upon landing, my boy. You take my lady marker, Kit, because she is getting heavy, and I will take Miss Fairthorne. Sam Henderson spoke these words as if we had nothing to do but obey him. Perhaps as a man who was instructing horses he had imbibed too much of the upper part. At any rate I did not find it my duty to fall beneath his ordering, and as if to make me stand to my own thoughts, the sweetest and most pitiful glance that had ever come to meet me came straight to my heart from a shadowy nook where the beautiful maid was shrinking. "'Sam Henderson, none of this rubbish!' I shouted, for the roar of the water would have drowned soft words. "'It is a coward's job to frighten women. A man should see first what the danger is.' Before he could come up to strike me, as his first intention seemed to be, I ran across the timbers, which were bowing and trembling with the strain upon the upright posts, as well as the wash upon their nether sides and I saw that the risk was increasing with each moment, for the dam at the bottom of Tim Osborne's meadow, not more than a gunshot above us, was beginning to yield, and the flood checked by it was trembling like a trodden hayrick. Upon this I ran back and said, ''Now, ladies, if cross you must, you must do it at once.'' ''Kit, you are a fool, there is no danger,'' Sam Henderson shouted wrathfully. ''Who is the coward that frightens ladies now? But if you must poke in your oar without leave,'' You go first with Mother Marker, and I will come after you with the young lady. The maiden shrank back from his hand, and I saw the good Mrs. Marker was pained by his words. Mother Marker will go first, she said, but with no thanks to you, Mr. Henderson. Her spirit was up, but her hands were trembling, as I took her prayer book from them. I may be a fool, but I am not a cub, I answered with a gaze that made Henderson scowl. I would rather frighten ladies than insult them. "'Now, Mrs. Marker, give me one of your nice little hands, and have no fear.' The housekeeping lady put forth one hand, with a tender look at it, because it had been praised, and then she put forth one brave foot, and I was only afraid of her going too fast. The water splashed up between the three-inch planks, for the lady was of some substance, but she landed very well, and back I ran to see about her young companion. "'I will not go with you, sir. I will go alone. You do not behave like a gentleman.' She was crying in great distress as I came up, and Sam Henderson had hold of both her hands. This enraged me so that I forgot good manners, for I should not have done what I did before a lady. I struck Sam heavily between the eyes, and if I had not caught him by the collar, nothing could have saved him from falling through the bush into the deep eddy under the planks. As soon as I had done it I was angry with myself, for Sam was not a bad fellow at all, when in his best condition, but now there was no time to dwell upon that for the flood was arising and rolling in loops, like the back of a cat who has descried a dog. now or never, miss, I cried. The dam is given. In a minute this bridge will be swept clean away. She showed such bright sense as I never saw before, and never can hope to see in anybody else, however they may laugh through want of it. Without a word or even a glance at me, she railed up her dress into a wondrous little circle, and gave me a hand which I had not the strength to think of, for fear of forgetting all the world outside. Taking it gently in my coarse, hard palm, I said, "'Come,' and she came like an angel. As I led her across, all my gaze was upon her, and this was a good thing for both of us, for a scream from Mrs. Marker and a dreadful shout from Sam, who came staggering up to the brink and caught the handrail, just as we were shaking upon the middle dip, these in a great roar coming down the meadows, would probably have taken all my wits away.' if they had been within me, as at ordinary times, but heeding only that which I was holding, I went in a leisurely and steady manner, which often makes the best of danger, and set the maiden safe upon the high stone at the end, and turned round to see what was coming. Before I had time to do this it was upon me, whirling me back with a blow of heavy timber, and washing me with all my best clothes on into the hedge behind the lane, Then a rush of brown water, like a drove of wild cattle leaping on one another's backs, went by, and the bridge was gone with it, like a straw hat in the wind. But the stone upon which the young lady stood was unmoved, although surrounded, and I made signs to her, for to speak was useless, to lay hold of a branch which hung over her head. As she did so she smiled at me, even in that terror, and I felt that I would go through a thousandfold the peril for the chance of being so rewarded. Suddenly, as suddenly as it had mounted, the bulk of the roaring flood fell again, and the wreck of the handrail and some lighter spars of the bridge hung dangling by their chains, and soon as the peril was past, it was hard to believe that there had been much of it, but anyone listening to Mrs. Marker as she came down the hill when it was over must have believed that I had done something very gallant and almost heroic, but I had done nothing more than I have told, and it is not very likely that I would make too little of it. "'Brave young man!' cried Mrs. Marker, panting, "'and ready to embrace me if I had only been dry. "'You have saved our lives, "'and I would say it if it were my last moment. "'Miss Kitty, I never saw such valor. "'Did you ever in all your life, dear?' "'Never, dear, never, "'though I had not the least idea what this gentleman was doing "'till he had done it. "'Oh, he must be sadly knocked about. "'Let me come down and help him. "'He put you up there and he shall fetch you down. "'Nobody else has the right to do it.' "'Mr. Orchardson, don't be afraid, a sister.' "'Now this shows how women have their wits about them, "'even at moments most critical. "'The housekeeper had fled with no small alacrity "'when the flood came roaring, "'and now, with equal promptitude, "'she had returned and discovered how best to reward me. "'I think you might give me a hand,' "'said the young lady still mounted on the high stone "'with our parish mark, "'upon which by some instinct I had placed her. "'I cannot. "'I am trembling like an aspen-leaf.' "'Mrs. Marker replied, though she looked firm enough. "'But our gallant preserver is as strong as he is brave. "'Don't be afraid of his touching you "'because he is a little damp, Miss Kitty.' "'This was truly clever of her, and it stopped all reasoning. "'With a glance of reproach the maiden gathered "'her loosened cloak more tightly "'and then gave me both her hands and sprang, "'and I managed it so that she slid down into my arms. "'This was not what she intended, but there was no help for it.' the ground being very slippery after such a flood. She seemed lighter than a feather and more buoyant than a cork, though some of that conclusion perhaps was due to my impressions. Be that either way, I could never have believed that anything so lovely would be ever in my hold, and the power of it drove away my presence of mind so badly that I was very near forgetting the proper time for letting go. And this was no wonder, when I come to think of it, The only wonder was that I could show such self-command, for the breath of her lips was almost on mine, and her blushes so near that I seemed to feel their glow, and the deep, rich blue of her eyes so close that they were like an opening into heaven. My entire gift of words was gone, and I knew not what I did or thought. But suddenly a shout, or a speech if one could take it so, A vulgar insolence and jealousy most contemptible broke on my lofty condition. Sam Henderson had been left in the black dungeon on the other side of the water, and the bridge being swept away he could not get at us. We had forgotten all about him. However, he had managed to run away when the great billow came from the bursting of the sluice, and now he showed his manners and his thankfulness to God by coming to the bank and shouting, while he grinned and clapped his hands in mockery. Kit and kitty, kit and kitty, that's what I call coming in strong and upon a Sunday evening. Mother Marker, do you mean to put up with that? See if I don't tell your missus. Kit and kitty, oh lord, oh lord, tis as good as a play, and we don't get much of that sort of fun in Sunbury. Ah, what the deuce? His speech was ended, for I had caught up a big dollop of clod from the relics of the flood, and delivered it into his throat so truly that his red satin fall and mock diamond pin, which were tenfold more sacred to him than the Sabbath, were mashed up into one big lump of mud. Together with the beard he cherished, laboring to utter some foul words, he shook his fist at me and departed. End of chapter 3